I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to another edition of the Players Lounge. Inside Carolina's feature Sponsored by Hills for Life, certainly hillsforlife.org. That's hillsforlife.org, Tar Heel Football Collective that supports the players and gives you, the fans, the opportunity to lend your support, not only monetarily, but also to let these guys sort of step out of their box and do things for the community and Hills for Life. So shout out for Grant to Graham and Jacob Price. Taylor Vipless has joined me, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you see our guest today is Mr. J.J. Jones. What's going on, J.J.? What's up? What's up? Appreciate you guys for having me on today. So we were joking just before we got on air. If you are watching this, you have not taken the opportunity to watch J.J. and Caleb Hood's podcast. Check it out. Young guys getting their getting their chat on, letting everybody know what it's like to be a D1 athlete. So that's what I hope we can do here today as well. But don't miss the opportunity to check them out. JJ, let me start out right out the gate. T- tell me a little bit about the podcast and why you guys decided to do something like that. Um, and, and it's cool that the new facility over there has a, a place for you guys to do it and do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, me and Caleb, I think Caleb already touched base on this a little bit in his last interview. But um, when we were kids, we always looked up what's it like being a football player? Um, what's it like being a Division One athlete? And so we thought, you know, we could use our platform and tell these younger kids what it's really like. And both of us like talking about sports. I love talking in front of a camera. He loves talking about sports. So it was something we both collaborated on. It was like, oh, this is fun. And with the podcast room in the inside the facility, it makes things a hundred times easier versus when we were, we used to be in our rooms with Zoom laptops, just trying to earbuds in as microphones. It was, it was tough, but with the new facility, it makes things a lot easier. And, um, we're just grateful to have that and something we really enjoy. What are the, the new facilities like? Because I'm thinking back to my days in that locker room. I just want you to know they used to bring out PS5s for recruiting visits or PS4s at the time, and then they would take them out when, when the recruits <laughs> left. And now I see everything that you guys got in there. What's all that like? Always, it's just extremely grateful, extremely blessed to have those things because, um, you know, some schools aren't even blessed and fortunate to have, you know, a player's lounge, first of all. So now we got, um, you know, Papa Shot. It's way more modern. It's, it's got UNC decals all over it. Just a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox One just sitting in the facility, you know, just four controllers. Like, it's something you'd never see before. Um, with the barbershop, it helps out a lot because a lot of guys need haircuts. A lot of people don't get a lot of haircuts a lot, and you can tell in the locker room who needs a haircut. So if you need one, you go up to the second floor. Um, you know, the study lounges because in between classes, uh, you know, we'll get out of practice, but you have a few few minutes in between, maybe an hour in between, so it's good to get some work in there. And in the podcast room, that's always an essential. The video room we have, just everything they've uh, added. The new training room looks really nice. It should be finished up real soon. And then we have a new patio deck with a basketball hoop. I know I'll be out there a lot. I know Drake May will be out there a lot. And so me and him will do some one-on-ones out there. It makes me, makes me sick to even hear that. But also, at the same time, I, I am happy. I want, I want to convey that, too, that I am happy for you guys. We had uh, couches to nap on and a ping-pong table. I think that was about it. 
<laughs> the ping pong table was if you were feeling a little crazy that day. Oh man, I bet, I bet. <laughs> that uh, that basketball court and that patio area is nice for you guys. Um, you know, Elijah Green was on here, and I and I joked with you texting Joey and Vip. Did Elijah talk to Elijah? Came out last week, and he sort of talked about being a college athlete and all. How much do facilities like that? And I know people don't. I mean, they say it's just stuff, but how much do facilities and, you know, whether it's training rooms or sleep pods or, or study rooms, things like that, those nice things help a college athlete because I don't think people realize that it's not a nine to five job. It's a 24 mm-hmm. seven job to be a student and a college athlete. Yeah. You hear people all the time, especially on campus. They're saying, Oh, you guys are spoiled. You get all this. But I feel like with all the work that we put in, all the determination we put all day long, it's it's not us being spoiled. It's it's like necessities, like you said, with the sleep pod versus us having to come back to the facility, get our car, drive all the way home, just take a nap. Like that's that seems, you know, really out of the ordinary for us. So with the sleep pods, it's such a benefit with that being right on campus, right at the facility. So everything you need is at the facility. And as a football player, you know, you want to stay in there, watch some extra film, do some extra rehab, do some more treatment. So everything that you need is right there all in one spot. So we can they can get the best out of us, and we, we can be the best out there on the field. When you go from high school to college, when did you start to realize that you do have to treat it like a job where, you know, you have to put in extra time studying in the film room and you have to be taking care of your body in the training room? What, what was that for you like when that switch kind of went off? Um, I say when we first got on campus my freshman year um, – it was, they were still babying us, you know, you can come to these workouts just for you guys. But I'd say probably the first spring practice I ever had out there, I feel like I got hurt the first day. And it was like, yo, these dudes are, these guys out here are legit. And I was like, I, I don't know if I keep doing this. So I went to the training room and they were like, they saw me and I was like, yeah, y'all probably going to see me a lot while I'm here at UNC. But um, it was, it's, it, that was probably one of the first moments, yeah. So I'm going to back it all the way up like we do with these shows. And, again, this is the Players' Lounge with J.J. Jones. I guess going into your junior year already at North mm-hmm. Carolina, wide receiver, heelsforlife.org. J.J., when you when you started playing football when you were young, sort of tell us the process because everybody talks about, hey, I want to be a football player one day. What's it like growing up um, and then ultimately becoming that guy that was able to play at a high level at Myrtle Beach, in Myrtle Beach and then on the Carolina? It's definitely a dream come true. I feel like a lot of people have those aspirations to play, you know, NFL football or college football. And then for me to be fortunate enough to even play at this level as a kid, my my ultimate goal, honestly, was to play college football because my dad, he he played at West Virginia in like the early 90s. He played running back. And my older brother, he played football. He played at Coastal Carolina. So it was always in front of me of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to play. But I also wanted to be a basketball player. I feel like every football player wanted to be a hooper at one point in their life. But there's not a lot of six, six, two, six, three centers out there. So that was the end of my hoop dreams. Do you what, ever uh, do you have a moment where you remember thinking like, man, I, I made it when you were on campus? Was it like seeing your name on the back of a jersey? Was it getting into a game? Do you have a moment where you kind of had the time to process everything that was happening? I, def- I remember I talk about this with my roommates a lot. There's definitely two moments. The first one is whenever um, we got our headboards on our lockers of our, you know, our faces, our, um, our name, and where we're from. So I was like, wow, I'm really a part of this locker room. And then the second one was probably my first game, which was the sold-out game at Virginia Tech. And I was like, there's no better way to start your college football career than at a game at Lane Stadium, sold out, listen to Inner Sandman. I think I listened to the – the Inner Sandman uh, soundtrack for like two months straight, just picturing what it's going to be like, but you don't really grasp how much it, how cool it is to you really there. And then I just looked around and I was like, man, like I like I broke down to tears. I was like, I really made it. Like this is this is what I've been working for my whole life, and you know, finally got to achieve it. What was it like getting recruited in high school? And I want to get back to that Virginia Tech game because I have a, a specific question about Inner Sandman. Um, but when you're in high school, you're a South Carolina guy. Uh, Mike Brown's back at North Carolina. He wants to own the state of North Carolina, which in your class was pretty much all North Carolina guys, except mm-hmm. a couple, you and Kobe from South Carolina. What was that recruiting process like for you um, playing high school ball and looking ahead to the future? It was definitely a little bit tougher, I feel like, than most recruits. A lot of people have 
seems like a lot of guys I've played with, especially on the UNC team, they've had offers since their freshman, sophomore, sophomore year and things like that. For me, um, I didn't start playing receiver till like my junior year of high school. Like I was playing safety at a at a uh, one of my hometown schools down here called Sagasti. And we were in a great program. I know we we produce we produce Hunter Renfro. Like so when I say Sagasti, everybody knows Hunter Renfro. But um there was really no I guess a lot of colleges weren't really coming through there to see guys and I wasn't performing at my highest level on defense and then um my dad told me to go to the West Virginia camp because he played there, and I was like, all right, and I'll go. And I told him, I was like, can I just try a receiver today? I just want to see what it's like. I, I didn't think of anything of it. And I went out there, and I, I balled out, and that was the first time I got my offer, and that was right before my junior year. And once that happened, it was like, okay, we need to, you know, get you into a, a school where you can thrive. So that's when I transferred to Myrtle Beach. And from there on, I just I just, I started to produce more, started to, you know, get more traction from other colleges and stuff like that. So how much, how important was it for your pops to be able to guide you through it? And then ultimately um, when you started to side, narrow it down, where you're going to go, what was that process like? He was definitely a part of it just because he, the first thing he told me, he's like, I've been through this. Like, so, you know, some people aren't fortunate enough to have that mentor, that guardian who understands what recruiting is like. But for me, you know, I had him, he telling me like, okay, these coaches are going to tell you what you want to hear. You need to go somewhere where you're wanted, you know what I'm saying? And so with him in my ear all the time and narrowing down the decision, he, he supported me at wherever school I wanted to go to. My whole family did. So, and that, that was something I was really grateful for. It's a, a pipeline of guys whose dads played for at West Virginia to North Carolina. When, when I played, uh, Landon Turner, who was on our offensive line, his dad played for West Virginia and also – Mac Hollins' dad played for West Virginia, and they didn't realize it until they were at a game together, and they were like, weren't, weren't we teammates at West Virginia? <laughs> uh, so that, that was one of the first things I thought when you had mentioned that. But what stood out to you about Carolina, and, and why did you choose Carolina in the end? It sounds so cliche when everybody says it, but it just it felt like home. Like, when you really mean it, like, I, I mean it, like, it felt like home for me. Checked off all the boxes academically. That's something my parents have always instilled in me since I was a little kid. So uh, the academic side was perfect for me. Uh, the coaching staff, I really didn't know Coach Brown a lot through college football. Like I knew he, I knew he was head coach of Texas when they won the national championship. But you know, a lot of people down here in Myrtle Beach are North Carolina fans. You you don't see that many, but like you can tell they're really passionate fans. Because here you just see uh, the other Carolina and Clemson fans. You know so. But when I came down here and I was telling people I was I really want to go to North Carolina, North Carolina, they were like, yeah, that's the best place on earth. Just the amount of connections you have after graduating. And, you know, Coach Galloway has put out a plethora of receivers. Um, like, I was a West Virginia fan growing up, so I watched him when he was coaching Tavon, Stedman, Kevin White, Mario Alford. So I saw what he could do. And for me, I wanted to, I wanted to get to the league. And I know he can produce those guys at the highest level. You mentioned that you didn't start playing receiver until late in your high school career. What was that adjustment like for you as as you're trying to figure out the other side of the ball? I really only changed because I was like a natural ball hawk, I'd say, in safety. Like, I'm not coming down to hit nothing. Like, that wasn't me. I wasn't the most physical guy. You know, I'm going for your ankles. But I – like, I was I was catching picks all the time in practice and then during the games. And they are like, well, if you catch the ball this time on a defense, just come over and play offense. And I was like, well, I don't know. It seems like a lot. You got to know a lot of plays and stuff like that. But once I got to my new school and started playing receiver, I was like, okay, this is something I'd, I'd be able to build on. And, you know, the potential was there. A lot of coaches saw in me. But um, being on the defensive side now makes things easier for me. So I understand the coverage, the defenses are playing. You know, if my corner's playing off, who's playing press, I know safety might roll over. So there's a lot of things that help me from playing defense over playing receiver now. So Taylor wanted me to ask you about the 2008 Meineke Car Care Bowl when Carolina played West Virginia, but I well, any memories from like that? Five years old, right? Um, I was yeah, I was really really young, but um, I think we lost. Well, at the time, me as a West Virginia fan, I think we lost. Is that right? No, Pat White went nuts. Pat White, oh Pat White and Steve Slayton. Ooh, right there, them boys is crazy, man. <laughs> Hakeem Nix made one of the greatest catches I've ever seen um, any receiver make, but yeah. Pat White had a day that day. I, I think he probably set his career high in receive or in passing that day. And yeah, so I was at that game. Not we're not going to talk about it any further. Uh, 
JJ, you get to Carolina and you sort of talked about, um, you know, your welcome to college moment getting hurt early. But let's let's talk about that Virginia Tech game a little bit because I was always curious. I went to that game sitting in the stands, had always wanted to see that environment. It was coming out of COVID. Those fans, those students were on fire. Crazy. Electric. Um, it, it was, uh, yeah. And I'm, I can't say a whole lot about Virginia Tech, but that environment, especially given the COVID factor and everybody was just on fire, was nuts. So my question to you is, who made the decision to come out and be on the field for that? Is it just something you guys wanted to experience? Because as sitting in the stands watching, it's like, holy sh! this is nuts. What was that like? Yeah, it was definitely the player's decision because I remember Coach Brown came into the locker room and, you know, they asked us, you know, do you guys want to be out there? Because we thought some teams are too scared to be out there when they play that song. So we were like, you know, it's fine. Me, I was like, I want to be out there. I definitely want to go out there. I want to see it firsthand. Um, just, as a, just as a college football fan, you know, because that's something a lot of people don't get to experience. But – it was something that we all agreed on, and we were, we were out there to enjoy the moment. We all got to, um, you know, as one team. So it was good for all of us just to, you know, have that memory. But, um, yeah. There's a YouTube video out there, I guess, of a manager for Virginia Tech. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, but he's in the locker room. He's filming it. He runs out on the tunnel. It is awesome. It is very awesome, especially when the music stops and, and the fans are still singing it pretty awesome moment your freshman year you had a little bit of success what was it like getting acclimated to college uh, you had Sam Howell out there you had you know that season didn't start off that great with the Virginia Tech game just what was your freshman year like being a college guy sort of getting into the swing of things I guess it definitely took a lot of adjustments especially um you know me still kind of being raw as a receiver um, there was times out there where I was like, you know, I think I'm ready to play. And then the next day I was like, okay, maybe I need to, you know, learn a little bit more. But with the guys that we had in front of me, you know, we had all those people into the transfer portal. So it was just, you know, it was next man up mentality. And I remember, I think it was like mid middle of the season, coach Galloway came up to me and was like, look, you're going, you have to get ready. You got to, you know, get ready quick. You're going to have to play. And, you know, I need just my next man up. So once he told me that I started to, I wouldn't say I took it more serious, but I just started to hone in on the little things more. That was, uh, you know, just being in the playbook a little more, watching a lot more film, working on my craft after practice. But overall, I thought it was a great learning opportunity for me just to be out there and see what it's like to get that experience on the college football field. And that really built me into, you know, progressing into my sophomore year. That freshman year, you only have four catches and – when you aren't making the impact that you might want to at the college level, how do you manage that doubt that can creep into your mind? Like, like, can I do this? Can I perform at this level? Yeah, there was, there was times where I had those doubts, but man, um, my parents told me, cause I'd tell them after a game, like, dang, I wish I could have helped the team more, but they told me, don't try to compare yourself to other people's stats, compare yourself to other people. Cause especially for, you know, being a freshman football player, you know, just to be able to play is a great, like, huge achievement that not a lot of freshmen get to do. So just being out there and having Coach Galloway and Coach Coach Longo, Coach Mac Brown's trust, just have me be out there, I just had to, you know, turn that into something positive and just be thankful for me and get the opportunity. And then you go into your sophomore year, and behind Josh Downs, Antoine Green, you put up 400-plus receiving yards last season. What's that moment like for you when you are seeing the work that you're putting in carry over onto the field and, and you start to have success like that? It's really humbling because you can, like you said before, it's well, all the work I put in, I finally see it coming to fruition. And, um, you know, we don't know how the season would have went if Antoine didn't get hurt or Josh didn't get hurt. But luckily, you know, for me and Gabo and Kobe to come in and step up and play uh, early and make it contribute to the team and you know the ball kept rolling there was no skip beats we were out there and still playing together as a unit but it was just it was fun last year for me just to be able to play make a lot of plays that I wanted to plays that I knew I could and then there was times where you know I started doubting myself like okay you know maybe I should do this more maybe I shouldn't do this more and then you know I started I, I know I had a little bit shaky end of the season last year but you know it was a lot of mental things and you know, self-doubt, confidence is going down, but that was something I had to work on, you know, this past season 
just be able to make sure my mental is all there during the whole season, during the whole school year. Absolutely, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But let me ask you about another environment that was pretty insane, uh, App State. Sort of, sort of talk about how that environment was. A, the environment, and then because Drake's talked about how the f- students were there when y'all walked in the building, and it's all crazy. But you, you, you got to step up, and y'all, you and Kobe and Gavo made some good plays in that ball game, put up sixty plus points. Um, folks only want to talk about what the defense did, but as an offense, what was your li- your experience like there? I think it set the standard of what our UNC football team was and, you know, just the recruiting that Coach Brown and the offense did. When you look out there, I remember I saw like a tweet a few weeks ago talking about the App State game. We had, you know, probably the youngest offensive team out there at the skill position. You had a bunch of freshmen, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores out there, you know, scoring 60 plus points on a six year plus defensive squad that was out there. But like, like Drake said, I remember pulling up to the stadium and I was like, okay, you know, it's app state. I don't think they might not, I know they they're rowdy, but I don't see how rowdy they'll really be. And we get there and the student section's already doing chants. As soon as we're walking into the locker room, they throwing stuff, saying things. And I was just like, Oh yeah, y'all, y'all finna get beat today. Cause that, that really like got my blood boiling. And I was just like, yeah, I, I like, I love a hostile environment. You know, people ask, would you rather score like at home or away game? I, I'm going to, I'm going to score both. Don't get me wrong, but I want to <laughs> score an away game to shut them up, man. Cause that ain't, ain't nothing better. Ain't nothing better than that. You had a career high 69 receiving yards in that app state game, but you, you follow it up against Miami where you go for 80 receiving yards in that Miami game, you had a 74-yard touchdown, starts the game, very first possession, huge play. You score, you throw the U down. Did you know you would do that if you scored, or did that come to you as you're crossing the end zone? This is something you can ask my roommates. I think I had that plan for about a year that I was going to do that because <laughs> I saw that game on the schedule, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Because like you said, like uh, Sam threw down to you uh, a few years prior, and I was like, yeah, that was so hard. It looked so cool on Center. I was like, if I score against Miami, I'm throwing it down. But, of course, I didn't think it was going to be the first drive. So, you know, I, I get in the end zone. First thing I do is like, yeah, throw it down. You have to. Like, it was, it popped in my head immediately. And I get over to the sideline. Everyone's congratulating me, but they're like, yo, you, you threw the U down on the first drive. They fit to go. They fit to get turned up. Now. I was like, I don't care. I just scored. I've been planning on doing that. But uh, when, that was cool. When we played Miami in 2015, Tommy, do you remember anybody throwing the U down before our team did it in 2015? Because I, I don't. I do but not. Of course, the, the, they didn't have a ton of success against Miami. Yeah, yeah that, that. that could be part of it. But going into that 2015 game, our offense was just clicking at an entirely different level. Like, we knew we were going to beat every team by, like, 30-plus points if we showed up. And, like, instead of going over, like, things in our pregame meeting everybody's just like looking at each other like hey if you score if you score if you score throw the u down throw it down <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a nice to see that legacy continue to pass on and mm-hmm. i'm kind of bummed that we're moving away from divisions and playing miami every year because that that's something I, like you said the first game i look at in the schedule is where's that miami game mm-hmm. yeah marquise did it in that game that you're talking about and that's and the first Swift time i remember it, it. Yeah, because, I mean, the last time, obviously, Carolina had beaten them since then, but I remember the field goal in 2004 when they were fourth in the nation. But, yeah, it's an interesting. Like I told you off the air, I talked to some Miami people um, prior to recording this, and they certainly remember what you did. Um, (laughs) So, uh, obviously, uh, October, mid-October is going to be a little bit interesting in Chapel Hill. We're talking with J.J. Jones, Heels for Life, the Players' Lounge collaboration here with Inside Carolina. And we always appreciate these players taking time, and especially J.J., right here before preseason camp opens at North Carolina next week. Or actually, when you're seeing this, they'll be in the middle of it. J.J., let me ask you a question about you're one of the older guys now. Um, true that junior. sounds crazy. I know. Isn't it? It, oh it is ridiculous. It, it, and now you're seeing young guys come in. you got recruiting clay. I guess it's the second recruiting class that's in since you got there. So 
what have, what did you learn from Josh and Antoine Green and the older guys when you were young that you're trying to pass down, whether it's in the off season and fall camp and spring football, that's helpful for those young guys? Yeah, especially like you said with the older guys, the work ethic that they put in after practice was something that you know it just it oozed how how good they wanted to be at the game and how they wanted to be better for the team. So I remember earlier in like my freshman sophomore years, like I would just after practice, you know, get, go home, go to the locker room. I'd see Josh and Antoine and Justin Olson out there catching fifty more plus balls and running routes and working on their releases, and I was like. Okay, they they they're working on their craft. They're trying to get better. I was like, I'm I'm trying to play. Let me let me go work out with them too. So seeing that, and then now, like you said, being an old an old head, um, <laughs> is I just want to show the the younger guys we got that you know it takes a lot a lot of time outside of practice to get better because there's so many things you can work on in practice, but it's so limited. The the game reps, the the releases, the way you want to run your routes, those are all things that come in on your own time that where you work on. So I want to make sure that the young guys know that you just got to keep working regardless. What's it like having a quarterback um, that'll get out there with you every day if you want to do that in Drake? And I know it's not just a Drake thing. It's most college quarterbacks. But you guys, the receiving core, the quarterbacks, the offensive skill guys especially, have, have sort of created that bond. What's that been like this offseason heading into 2023? It's been great because you can tell the difference because um, last year it would be Drake texting the offensive skill guy group chat. Hey, who wants to go throw? Who wants to do this? That was last year. This offseason, it's, you know, it's Nate, Tez, George Petaway, Caleb. Oh, Drake, Connor, where are y'all at? Let's go throw. Like it's it's us wanting to be better for him. And when he sees that, he put he gains more trust in all of us. And I, I think like with all the quarterbacks, if they see that their offensive guys, their offensive playmakers want to get better outside of practice, they're like, okay, well, I'm putting more trust into them. Then they're going to work better. Now, if we're all working on the same page, I mean, it's going to be unstoppable. For you personally, um, you mentioned struggling a little bit, had a couple drops. Um, what have you worked on? What have you keyed on personally in the offseason? Obviously, you do it with you guys, and it helps to have that camaraderie you talked about but personally what what has been your key and your focus this offseason just um you know making sure I continue to have my confidence and probably just watching the ball in there was times last year where you know I, I I thought I'd get a ball on this play and I wouldn't and I would you know start being pouty and having bad attitude bad body language and um then, you know, next play, I'm like, okay, dang, I should have got that ball. And I, I run a bad route, and the ball comes my way, and I, I drop. You know, I'm not mentally locked in the whole game. And that's something I've worked on now, just being able to work on myself. Um, you know, I've started going to um, see some sports psychologists over the summer, do some therapy sessions to make sure, you know, everything I have in my life is all working out, making sure that I have my confidence in myself. And then I'll injury it was hard for me to go out there and run routes with them and see all my teammates succeed and you want to see that but also as the competitor and me I want to be out there so bad and it was and that took a lot out of me that I couldn't practice in the spring and you know part of the summer I mean I'm back out there now but you know I feel like I just have to crank it up two times harder than everybody else is going to be out there this season how do you guys handle that in in the wide receiver room where there's such a competition to see who plays, who gets starting spots. But at the same time, when you are in a locker room like that, those are the guys that you're hanging out with the most. And it feels like they are a, an extension to your family. You, I, I think we're all competitors, especially in this receiver room this year. I feel like this is one of the deepest receiver rooms that we've had in recent history, maybe all the way up to that 2015 team. But it's like you want to see – you want to see your teammates get better. Because if you're competing with them and you are going 100% and they're still, you know, producing almost as good or even better as you, that makes the team better. And that's that should be the number one goal for everybody, you know. As, as long as I'm out there competing and I'm working my butt off and you're working your butt off, only I mean, there's only three spots out there that everybody can play. We got 12 guys in the receiver room that want to be in those three spots. Everybody not going to start. Everybody not going to play. So you have to just know that. 
and just be ready for your opportunity. But if everyone's out there doing their thing and they making plays, you can't, you cannot be upset about that because it's making the team better. And that makes you want to get better. When you see somebody doing great, you want to chase that greatness at all times. You mentioned one of the draws to Carolina was the fact that Lonnie Galloway has had success putting guys into the NFL. What is Coach Galloway like as a position coach? <laughs> he's a good guy. He's funny. He is very funny. Um, but he's very everybody respects him because they know what he's done. You've seen his track record of who he's put out. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, if you've got any problems on campus, um, you know, car broke down or something's going on at your house, you call him, he'll he'll take care of it. And, you know, he's he's treated my family like just a part of his family. And being able to know that I have a position coach who will have my back through thick or thick or thin, yeah, it's really good. Don't don't get me wrong, he'll, he'll get in you now. Um, but I feel like that's that's what we need nowadays because you know everyone's everyone says that you know my generation is a little bit soft, but I feel like we just we we take things a little bit more personal. But it's it's also good for you. It's constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. I'm I'm thinking back to my days when my position coach was uh, Coach Brewer. And he had he had a few phrases that still wake me up at night where I hear it in my head. Does Coach Galloway have anything that kind of sticks with you? Yeah, um, there's a there's there's a few few lines that that he says, but uh, I, I don't feel like getting up early in the morning and have to run for saying that. Out loud. <laughs> well, this will this will air on Wednesday after camp starts. So yeah, you probably would be you probably would be in, on, on yeah. the uh, steps yeah. early. I try to get up early. So, so let's talk about that room. Uh, I mean, Josh and Antoine move on to the league. Um, they do what you're supposed to do, uh, have success, and then go on to the next level. And Tez Walker and Nate McCollum join you guys. And and you and Kobe and Gavo have been there since day one. Uh, tight bond. Andre Green, of course, came in. And, and now you get two older heads, I guess, in the room. What's that been like as far as – you know, welcoming somebody in. You talk about it's all for the team, um, but these guys come in to play. And mm -hmm. if, to your point, there's three positions out there, and if they're taking two of them, possibly two of them, how's it been sort of assimilating those guys in, but also getting to know them and, and getting that chemistry with them on the field? Yeah, definitely at first it was like, you know, we were, we were a little bit skeptical because we were like, okay, maybe we think we, think we could play. But, you know, at the end of the day, we know college football is a business. And like you said, they have – both Tez and they have played a lot more games than we have. So they really have that experience. I know, you know, us three, me, Kobe, Gabo, and then Dre, we played some last year. But when you mean, like, veteran experience, that's what Nate and Tez bring. But, like, now those are, those are like, my best friends. Like, I talk, to, I talk to Tez almost every day. I, me and Nate joke around with each other every day. Especially when we talk about guys that need haircuts, I'm talking about Nate every day. <laughs> He never has a haircut, but um, nah, they they definitely bring an extra um component of competitiveness to the receiving room because we know Coach Galloway brought those guys here to play, and we 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 know that as the rest of the receiving room. So with them coming in, you got Tess, whose whose speed is it's crazy. Like people say he's fast, but you don't understand how fast he is till you really are out there. And then Nate, um. I would like you say everyone compares him to Josh Downs. He's like you said a little bit thicker, but so twitchy the way he makes plays. He's an, I don't I don't think I've ever seen him. I've seen him maybe drop one or two balls since I've seen him. It's been what six months. So bringing those guys in, it's going to help the receiving room. I know Drake likes it a lot, and you know we we love that that we can have guys that make us want to get better. So I'm excited to have those two a part of the receiving room, and those 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 will be my guys forever. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You uh, you get tips on that barbershop room. You get guys in there. You get a cut. Uh, I uh, wish because a lot of guys <laughs> on the team that need cuts, but uh, hopefully I get some commission off that. <laughs> well, speaking of new guys, you got a new offensive coordinator in Chip Lindsey, and a lot of people have on the outside have been looking at that. Is how will this North Carolina offense look? What has it felt different? I know you've mentioned you know not being able to be a, a big part of it totally in the spring, but seeing everything and then ramping up to camp. How has it been different with Lindsey? And we can talk about Randy Clements on the offensive line, but especially on, on Lindsey's side of it. You could tell um, he's more of a guy that wants to be personable, get to know you one-on-one. He wants to – if you make a mistake, he's going to pull you to the side and be like, okay, you did this. Let's work on this so we can better be better at the next play. And that's, that's what I like to see out of Coach Lindsey. And I feel like he brings out – the best in everybody just because he's he has that respect in the offensive room. I know he's been there for a few months. He got there right before the bowl game, but we see his his vision, his his way of thinking of how these plays could be designed and what formation we could be in and how he thinks that each one of us fit in the offense. When you see somebody like that, you wanna you wanna run through a wall for him. So and I have really I didn't speak a lot with Coach Lindsay before, but of the times we did speak you could tell that he's he wants he wants to be the most explosive offense in the country, and I believe under Coach Lindsey we we can be that for sure. Who is a player as you guys get training camp underway? Who's a player that isn't getting talked about now that fans will be talking about once the season starts and, and gets underway? I feel like everybody on here has said the same name, and I'm going to continue the training of Elijah Huzzy. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that you that you do your homework and you watch these. This yeah, is, yeah, this, this is cool, man. Yeah, I, I know everybody says Huzzy, but if we didn't have to say Huzzy, I'd probably say a guy like I don't know. I I feel like people know, but I don't think anybody said it. But Cameron Rucker, he gonna the work he's put in this offseason is scary. Like he's going he's going to rip a quarterback's head off this season, and I'm not <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if he did it first week. So. So, so if Huzzy is the guy you don't necessarily want to face in practice, or maybe you do to get better, mm-hmm. who's another guy? I've heard Tayon Holloway's name mentioned. Tayon, yeah. Tayon, young guy, you can tell that he has all the intangibles to be a great, great defensive back. You know, he was just he didn't he didn't play last year because of his shoulder injury, but you can see now he's he's got he's one of those guys that has that dog in him. You know, you want somebody as a DB. Who gonna talk that? You gonna they gonna say something to you? They gonna be aggressive? They gonna hold you? Like you want a DB like that because you need somebody over there that has you know a real like a dog in him. And he's he's that guy. He's that guy. And also, I've always been I've always been high on Geo Geo Biggers, especially him coming in. Um, you know, he's definitely a veteran for sure, one of the oldest heads. But uh, he's uh, a <laughs> but I've seen him the way he's been practicing over the summer and what I saw in the spring of him. He's going he's gonna to shake a lot of heads because I know some people don't think he's that guy for us, but I believe he he's going to come in and he's going to shut down that side of the field. You've been real gracious with your time, but we have some quick questions before we get you out of here. Who's on your pregame playlist? Um, 
Rod Wave, Young Boy, Drake, and uh, New Edition. A lot of the young cats don't know who New Edition is. But come on, does Vip? Do you know who New Edition is? No, I was Ooh, gonna. I was too, gonna throw. Too young. He's oh too my young. <laughs> I was gonna throw it back to Tommy before you said New Edition. Be like, Tommy, how many of those guys have you heard? Of? Yeah, thanks for. <laughs> JJ might be my favorite on this new edition. I saw them in concert in like '93. I did a, that? I did an eighth grade talent show, and we did a "If It Isn't Love" and "Candy Girl." We won. So I'm a, I'm an old. I am an old head at heart. Old head, old soul. That's yes, awesome. Sir. Oh, yeah, Vip. I don't know the others. I've heard of Drake, obviously, and a couple <laughs> of others. And my 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 children listen to him too. But yeah, I'm not. Who would they be surprised that you're listening to? Not new edition. Cause I think that's awesome. You listen to any like, you know, some guys will bust out some country singers or some oh, I love country heavy music. metal singers. Oh, yeah, I love you country got? music. I'm from, I mean, I'm from the beach, so you know, down here in Murder, we only listen to country music. It seemed like, but um, definitely some. My dad put me on to him probably like six months ago. But Kenny G, Kenny G, oh wow, real classical guy. You throw him in the car, you, you, cause sometimes you don't want to wake up listening to hardcore rap. Just listen to some Kenny G in the morning. Get your, still get your blood flowing the same way. Hey, Vip, you know who that is? Yes, I do. All right, I saw Kenny G and Tony Braxton in concert. Goodness gracious. Wow, what a trip down memory lane for you. I know, really, man. (laughs) Y'all are making me feel good. I can't figure out if it makes me feel good or feel bad because it was like before y'all were even thought of. It's crazy. All right, we're going out to eat. I'm going to steal this question from you, Vip, because Joey always asks it, but I want to ask this one. Uh, We're going out to eat. And there's no bill, or Vip's got the bill because Vip's big time down in mm-hmm. South Beach. Where mm-hmm. are we going to eat? Uh, we'll say Chapel Hill. Where, mm-hmm. where are we getting? What's on the menu? Ain't nothing good to eat in Chapel Hill. All right, um, pick wherever you want to go. Let's go to Barefoot Landing at Myrtle Beach. All right, look, we at Myrtle <laughs> Beach. We're going to go, we go to uh, Calabash Seafood if we in Myrtle. <laughs> Calabash Seafood or uh, Captain George's here in Myrtle Beach. Get some nice. seafood. Y'all like seafood? I do. Yeah, yeah man. You can't, you can't get enough seafood. Yeah. We need some more seafood spots in Chapel Hill. That place was on the corner on Franklin Street, and I never saw anybody in there. It went out of business before it even started. That's that's the problem. It went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, got, and then in in training camp or road trips or bowl games, some of those trips are, are made or lost with who you're rooming with. Who's the best roommate on the road? And who's somebody that, if coach gives you the choice, hey, maybe maybe we aren't compatible living together, <laughs> but I love you still. Yeah, I've I've only roomed with like two people so far. The best person I roomed with was Ty Lee, Ty Lee Kraft, my freshman year. One of the most humble guys I got to room with. He kept everything clean. Um, you know, he he's put his AirPods in. He was on FaceTime or he was on doing his own thing, so I could do my own thing. And I didn't room with this guy, but – Everyone that has room with him has was like, yo, it's been terrible. And it's got to be Andre Green. Just because everybody tells me, uh, you know, sometimes he'll leave some stuff out. It'll be a little bit dirty here and there. He's on the phone on like a road trip to like 2 a.m. and people try to go to sleep. So, but yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, Andre Green. Boy, there's going to be some fights in practice. Oh, man. Oh, man. What uh? You mentioned the uh, PlayStation and all that. What, what are you guys playing in there? And does it get heated if you have the opportunity to get it going? I'm a big Fortnite guy. I know it's a really old game. A lot of kids play it, but um, I'm a big Fortnite player and FIFA, just because of uh all the new recent trades and you know with Mbappe signing for almost a billion dollars, we all started playing FIFA a little bit more. Everyone's everyone starts to play soccer now, but um, FIFA, Madden, 2K. All the like sports games, there's you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll bet, we'll bet like a, I mean, we'll bet a Hershey bar here and there and see if we can do win this or something like that. But so I, I saw the TV screens in there and then all, all access they showed it. Who, who, who would be the first one to throw a controller? Probably be me. <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably, it'll probably, it, it, it'll either be me or. Me or Caleb Hood, because both of us, it's like we don't even have short tempers. But when it comes to video games, I've already, I already, I've already broken the TV in my house from playing a video game. So wow. that's why I try not to play in the facility, just in case some 
actually slips out my hand. <laughs> for fan- we straps. <laughs> <laughs> for fans to get to know you outside of football, you guys spend so much time in the Keenan Football Center. What do you like to do outside of football when, when you're not in the building? Yeah, if I'm not playing football, I'm probably taking a nap or um, – that's a great Probably hobby. just doing something along like the broadcasting route. Like I'm always, you know, trying to do internships with news channels, news stations, but I'm trying to just work on my uh, communicating and talking skills all the time. And if not that, then uh, probably taking a nap too. Again, I, I sleep a lot. So and if you see me outside the facility, it's very rare. Have, have you taken any classes in the, the journalism school that have kind of helped you with uh, the broadcasting aspirations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've taken a bunch of classes, especially in the Husband School is so great uh, for a lot of guys that a lot of uh, people who want to enter this field. So I'm in this, I took a sports extra class where it's literally designed as a sports center for like college. So it was really cool. The first year I was working in the control room, learning behind the scenes, I didn't understand how much stuff went into it at first, but you know, you got the teleprompter, personal video, personal audio. I got to learn how all that connects for the show. And then the second year, I tried out to be a an anchor. I got to be an anchor and then the women's basketball analyst for the second semester. And it was great um, being able to research the teams and understand what I want to talk about. And there was some run-throughs where, you know, it was a little bit tough. But once I got on air, like the flip switch for me. It's like when I'm on air – it's also like me being on the football field. Like it's just a switch and it's something I really enjoy, but that was one of the classes that really helped me out. And I'm just, I was, that was, it really helped me be able to be on camera and talk about sports and point to a video board behind me and do all that. Just like the broadcaster would. Cause that's what I want to do. So it was perfect. Dr. T. Doc, Charlie Tuggle, <laughs> Charlie Tuggle. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you remember most about the first time that you were on camera and, you know, having that adjustment because I, I, once this is over, I'll send you some of my early stuff. Bad, <laughs> bad. <laughs> it's, it's actually really funny because my first ever on stream like appearance was when I was like six years old as a kid. And I had one line and it was for the local news. They were just recording us for football and it said, we'll be right back. But those are the only, that's the only thing I had to say. <laughs> well, I did it in run throughs. I killed it. We're going live. As soon as they turned the camera to me, I froze. And you can hear the dude behind the camera go, we'll be right back. And I'm like, we'll be right back. Completely like, and I was like, I will never, ever have that feeling again. As soon as that happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to talk because I'm not letting that happen again. So that's what that was like my villain arc moment to becoming a broadcaster. So so what you're saying is you, you're coming for our jobs, basically. I mean, I'm coming. I work with y'all. I mean, you know, it happens. Yeah. It happens. But you know, the JJ and Vip show. I I could already see it. Oh yeah, we gonna we gonna bring out we gonna bring out the best of every guest. <laughs> we need uh, we need to get you mic'd up. We, we need to sneak a mic in there during the game, during practices oh, in the yeah, football center. Yeah, I probably have to cut a few things out, but we we can make that work. Right, we we got a mute button and we got edits. I mean, you you'll see this and be like, "This is, I don't remember that." It's because it's edited, man. It's CGI. <laughs> Last couple of questions for you. Um, what does it mean for you to be a North Carolina football player? And I just it means it, it means on. the world to me, just because I get a world class education. I play for a world class football team, and I get to play for a world class coaching staff. So, me being a I try not my best. I try my best not to, you know, take advantage of the moments I have playing for Carolina. You know, every time I put on that uniform on Saturdays, you know, and I pray and I'm just like, thank you, God, for putting me in this position because kids would die to play at Carolina. You know, some kids want, some kids just want to play because of the uniform. I mean, that's not that's not a bad option either. But for me, being out there is something I've always wanted to do, and being able to play for Carolina, I always want to. I want to show the Carolina fans that I, I am happy to be here and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to compete at all times. Continuing off that, Hills for Life, of course, the collective, Tar Heel Football Collective, and folks need to support that. If you want these guys to have success, uh, donate to Hills for Life. Uh, it helps them out. It helps the community out. It helps the program out for sure. JJ, what does Hills for Life mean for players like you 
in this NIL world that we're in? It really helps us out a lot. Helps out a lot of players just because you can tell now with the NIL, we are finally allowed to get gain compensation off our name, image, and likeness. So with the collective Like Heels for Life, it allows us to reach our fullest potential and take advantage of what we are allowed to now have. And some schools don't even have collectives. So the fact that UNC has one is um, extremely, extremely, extremely grateful. And we appreciate anybody that donates to the collective. And we just wanted to make sure that all everything that has been donated is going in for a good reason. So That is J.J. Jones, wide receiver, old head, Rising oh, Jr., I'm only 19 and I'm an old head now. I know, man. Three years, going into your third year, uh, 2023 season should be something to watch. JJ's been a part of uh, a collaboration between Inside Carolina and Hills for Life where I guess we've done 10, 12 of these maybe. So, JJ, uh, you're the last one that's currently on the schedule. Um, Hopefully we can do something during the season, but we'll figure all that. But, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us and sort of get into what it's like to be a college athlete at North Carolina. Oh, yes, sir. I appreciate you guys for having me on today. Vip, appreciate you. Appreciate Graham and Jacob at Heels for Life. And, of course, folks need to check out that collective. It's heels for the number four life.org. They'll take care of you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.